When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is getting up to use the bathroom at the stadium. Excuse me? Excuse me? Oh, sorry. Excuse me? You mind if I just squeeze by here? This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Mariska's and Crest Hill. Family-owned and operated since 1933, Chuck's Southern Coverage Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com and seatgiant.com. Use promo code MADHOUSE at checkout to save. Let's drop the puck. Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Navo and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Here I Chicago! Woo! Welcome into the latest installment of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Navo from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, is the one, the only, the uber-talented, the uber-beautiful, really the uber-everything, Jay Zawoski. Jay, we are in a lot happier of a place today than we were the other day when we last spoke because the Blackhawks remembered how to win games. Doesn't it feel wonderful? It really does. It's nice. And, and you know, the thing that, that really makes it feel good is that it's happening because of power play success. The Blackhawks oh, have yes. removed their head from their collective rectums and figured out how to have an operational and functional and, uh, you know, third-grade level power play. And and it's shown results. You've got Artem Anisimov heating up. You've got other guys sort of growing in their roles a little bit. I think Gustav Forsling's put together a couple nice games in a row here. Um, so, yeah, some positive signs since last we met uh, where it was all doom and gloom. I still don't really believe this team's very good i still don't think they're going to contend for a stanley cup but if they can play like this most nights they're going to have a fighting chance every night just because of that top heavy talent they do have so encouraging i don't know if i'm going to go and change my mind about this team as a whole but uh the last couple days since we talked last week things have been pretty good can't complain too much about it Let's just focus on some positives because we were so overwhelmingly, I think, negative and rightfully so on our last episode. I agree. I feel like we've really focused a lot on kind of the future and kind of bemoan the fate of this team and yada yada. And I feel like we definitely owe it to ourselves to have a little bit of, uh, you know, positiveness to get a little bit of happiness going. So first of all, I'm honestly shocked when you said collective rectums that you didn't just say collectums because... It just seems so obvious with your penchant for wordplay and mixing words up. I thought for sure collectums was coming right out. I regret I regret my uh, my whiff on that one. <laughs> I should have done that. Speaking of rectums, your whiff. Yeah. <laughs> You're cracking me up. <laughs> and anyway. that's enough. <laughs> anyway, so let's celebrate the fact that this team not only has won their last two games and three out of their last four. 
Let's also celebrate the fact that they've scored five power play goals in their last three games. Artem Anisimov has looked good. As you said, Gustav Forsling has looked good. Jan Ruda has really been getting active on defense. Corey Crawford continues to be Corey Crawford. It's just lots of good stuff, man. I know there's plenty to still be worried about with this team and obviously we're still going to have defensive lapses and times when this team just isn't scoring but I want to start the show today by talking about some of that positive stuff because it feels better to kind of let our shoulders down a little bit and kind of feel just good about the way they look the last few games and it it's been fun it's been fun watching both of the games against Pittsburgh and against New York because it's the kind of fast-paced hockey with a lot of scoring that we thought we were going to see from this team this season. And Artem Anisimov, I mean, he's really been turning it on lately. He has nine goals his last ten games. Really has kind of stepped it up since you and I kind of called him out a little bit earlier this season. So his resurrection and his kind of getting going in the right direction has kind of coincided with the Blackhawks as a whole kind of figuring out again how to push forward and how to really score again. And I think that it's been great to see both of those things. What I've liked about Anisimov's play for sure lately has been, um, it seems like he's realized he's big. Like he just, sort of, <laughs> I don't know if he like finally got a full length mirror in his house or something, but he's playing big. He's in front of the net. That's how he's scoring goals. There was a really nice goal the other night where the puck was sort of laying uh, you know, behind the goal line on the outside of the net, and he just calmly grabbed it, tucked it in, and, and put it in a, in a net. Those sort of things where he can use his size, use his base to take up space, to get in people's way, and to cause havoc in front, that's what's making the difference for him. That's why he's been so effective lately. And when he plays that way, we've seen it in flashes now and again in his tenure with the Hawks. And look, he's got a lot of skill, that's for sure. We're not going to pretend he's not a skilled player. But a guy like that committing to that style of play that's going to make a huge difference because it is something they lack. And uh, I love the way he's been playing lately. I just I hope it can continue. I really do. Because if it does, that sort of changes things a little bit for me. I think that if he can play like a power forward who is a difference maker on the power play every night, well, then, you know, you, we can start talking about some things. But until I see it from him, you know, for a 20, 30-game stretch, I'm not going to believe it's a permanent thing. Not a knock on him. We just haven't seen it yet in his, what, this is his third year with the team now? Mm-hmm. We haven't seen that over a consistent period of time yet in his game. And I think, um, you know, he could hold the key uh, to the Blackhawks' success in a lot of ways, but especially on the power play. Well, I mean, it, it goes back to something you and I have talked about extensively, which is does this team's forward group work without Nick Schmaltz playing center? And I feel like the only way that it does is if you have Artem Anisimov kind of in that Dave Bolin mode where he can score goals, get to the front of the net, cause some issues, that kind of duplicates the depth a little bit. Like kind of what I'm trying to say is it really, it, it takes that away as a potential issue and allows Joe Quenville to be a little bit more flexible with Nick Schmaltz. We've seen him on wing and at center in recent games. Quenville's kind of been moving him around a little bit and, I feel like if Anisimov is producing at this kind of level, and not even necessarily scoring, like he doesn't have to score. As long as he's getting to the front of the net, creating chances, creating screens, doing those things that he's doing, on top of the fact that he continues to win face-offs, which is still mind-blowing to me, that that he's been winning at such a good rate. If he can continue doing that, it allows Joel Quenville to be more flexible with Nick Schmaltz, and I think that's a really... It's a good thing for this team. It's a good thing for their forward group. And I feel like that cannot be stated enough. It really is that important. Yeah, you're totally right about that. And I still want to see Schmaltz at center. I still think that's ultimately where he's going to have to be for the team to have maximum success. But the fact that Anisimov is doing as well as he is, like you said, buys him a little bit of time, allows them to use him on the wing here and now and again, um, which probably right now is the best thing. I just... I just want him to be a center so bad. I think he's he's such a difference maker on both ends of the ice. We've seen bursts in the last few games, too, of his individual talent. The breakaway he started against Pittsburgh that he wasn't able to finish, but still Mm -hmm. got steps ahead of the defender. Uh, There's been things from Nick Schmaltz that have been really, really encouraging. And uh, I I want him to be a center. I really think that for the Hawks to have success, he's going to have to be there. But I get it. 
for now they want to get him back to playing the way he was when the season began and then maybe once that happens once they feel like he's fully back to that level of play they move him back to center maybe we'll see uh, again I, I've been critical of Joel Quenville in the past but at the same time he knows these guys better than I ever will or you ever will or anyone ever really will so yeah. I, I think that most times he's going to do the right thing but um, I do want to see Schmaltz at center the other thing I want to bring up too and, and another guy we've been kind of hard on this year that's turned it up over the last handful of games has been Patrick Kane finally suddenly right we're seeing him engage we're seeing him uh, creating offense creating chances a little bit closer into the net a little more aggressive offensively uh, as well so when Kane goes and the power play goals this is a different team and there's no mm-hmm. doubt about that you cannot have that dude slump if the, if Patrick Kane is slumping the Hawks aren't winning that's really all there is to it and if he's not playing well or if he's not playing at 100 uh, percent be it effort or health they're not a very good team but when he is in that mode we've seen him do it before where I'm going to score you're going to watch it and you're going to like it mode um, he's unstoppable and we need that to happen more often with him over the last handful of games, like I said, it's been a lot better. I still think there's another level he could probably take his game to, but to see him work out of whatever it was, you know, I'm not going to say that after all these years, I'm not going to question his effort. Uh, I think maybe he wasn't 100%. Whatever. Whatever it was, it seems to be in a rearview mirror right now, and he's playing some of his best hockey of the season. I think what we're going to do when we get out of our break that we're going to be coming up to here is I think we're going to delve into – a theory that I have about what was going on with Patrick Kane and kind of maybe what's changed with him. Like what's kind of clicked, you know, like you kind of mentioned effort, you kind of mentioned a potential nagging injury or something like that. I have my own theory on that, but I think I'm going to save that until the end of our break. Well, let's get to it after this timeout. We'll take our first break now, but first we want to tell you about our friends at Triple Threat Sports. Obviously by now, you know, they're the best place to go in the area to get your NHL jerseys lettered, but they're also a great place to go get jerseys and equipment and apparel for your team. If you're a beer and pizza league, if you're a bowling team, a a softball team, 16 and softball, whatever, Triple Threat Sports will help you design your uniforms, your logo, everything. They'll create them, they'll print them, they'll distribute them. Everything you need done for your team, Triple Threat Sports will do it, and they will do a fantastic job. So make sure you give Chris a call. At 708-478-6090 or email him at chris at triplethreadsports.com. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. And I have to get a hold of Chris here because something tells me, a little birdie tells me we're going to need an influx of T-shirts pretty soon. Oh, how about that? That's a little tease for the next episode. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? Yeah, Yeah, you jerks. (laughs) See, I didn't call you jerks. Nah, see, I knew you were you were wanting to like oh, yes, so I, bad. I could feel it. <laughs> totally, I was totally, in, I was about to shout jerks, but I was going to leave it for you. All right, let's take our first time out. When we come back, we will delve into Patrick Kane. Not literally, we'll just analyze his hockey. Uh, mm. We'll be right back on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Before the break. Jay threatened to delve into Patrick Kane and then quickly backtracked and said that we would delve into a theory that I potentially have about the famous Blackhawks winner. By the way, yes, belated happy birthday to Patrick Kane. Celebrated his 29th birthday yesterday. It is unbelievable to me that he is not only 29 years old, he is in his 11th season with the Blackhawks. That is mind-boggling to me. Just absolutely crazy. How old does that make you feel? Uh, very old. That That's for sure. But I will say that his receding hairline has helped me realize <laughs> that he's getting yes. older. Because he's fastly approaching Bobby Hole, the player territory. Somehow oh. Bobby's, Bobby's hair all came back. Hmm, interesting. Hmm. Uh, but, yeah, he's, uh, he's not quite Justin Turner yet. Did you see Justin Turner during the uh, NLCS? He slid into third and his helmet came off. And it was just almost as if his red hair is taped on his head. <laughs> his next haircut will be his last, my friend. I promise you that. But uh, anyway, on to Patrick Kane. Your thoughts. Happy birthday, Patrick Kane. Celebrate responsibly, please. Um, don't do anything stupid. But James. And by the and by the way, if you want to relive the uh, best moments of Patrick Kane's Blackhawks career, I did write up a piece yesterday for the Madhouse Enforcer blog on NBCChicago.com. And Take a trip down memory lane and remember some of Patrick Kane's best moments with the Blackhawks. Nice. I like that. All right, what do you got for me, my friend? Let's let's delve in. Let's let's analyze Patrick Kane's play as of late. 
Alright, we're going to need the psychiatrist's couch for this one because I have a theory about Patrick Kane. I don't know if that it was a physical issue. I don't think that that's something you just all of a sudden go, you know what, I'm going to play better now. If it's physical, it's lingering, and I feel like it continues on. If it's an effort thing, then that also is something that you kind of have to snap out of. But, to your point, we've never really seen that from him. We've never just seen him kind of dog it on the ice. He's a veteran player. There have been, been moments. For, there have been oh, moments where he's dogged it, but not like moments, over a long not period sustained. of time. Right, right, right. Yeah. And and that's I think like a tuning out of a coach, like that kind of thing. I don't think we've ever seen that from him. I agree. For a long stretch. So what does that leave? To me, that leaves a psychological thing. But what kind of thing would kind of trigger that? Here's what I'm thinking. There's two possibilities here. I want to get your take on which one you think is the more likely scenario. Scenario one, bummed out that he doesn't have Artemi Panarin as his running mate anymore, feels more pressure based on that, that he has to kind of carry the load a little bit more, kind of rebels against it a little bit, It's not happy that the trade was made to clearly benefit Jonathan Taves at the expense of Patrick Kane. That's theory number one. Okay. Theory number two is that as the Blackhawks' defense kind of lapsed and as they continued to struggle on the power play and things just kind of kept piling one on top of the other, that that can have, I think, a drag on you as a player. Like, you kind of schlep your gear to the ice every night. You just, like, don't, like, feel real enthusiastic about playing knowing that your team is struggling. And you kind of go into a little bit of, like, the blues, a little bit of the doldrums, kind of. And it just kind of it impacts you and something kind of needs to snap you out of it. And it feels like maybe Kane has finally turned the corner in that regard. Do either of those theories kind of work for you? I think they kind of both make sense. I think they can both exist at the same time. I don't know if I'm with the Panarin thing. I don't know if I'm going to buy that he was protesting or sulking about it, but um, I do think there could be a psychological aspect of that where he did feel some pressure to have to carry more of the load and, and maybe because of that, he was, um, I, I don't know. I, I, I think there, there, there is something to that. And, uh, you know, I, I just, it's, it's, it's understandable. I was told earlier this year, and I think we discussed this on the podcast, that he really loved playing with Nick Schmaltz. That doesn't mean he doesn't miss Artemi Panarin, of course. But the way you said it, and I don't know if this is how you intended it, but I don't think that he's mad that Taves got help at his expense. I think that he just had a great chemistry with Panarin, and he's adjusting. I don't know if there's any sort of bitterness or anger about it. I think it's just more of a style adjustment, a comfort adjustment, a chemistry adjustment that he has to make. And I think that that really could have played a big role. And then when that's not happening with the uh, percentage of success it did with Panarin, that starts to weigh on you too. Like, man, why isn't this working? I've got to do more. And then once you start thinking that way, then all hell can break loose. Then you lose everything. Then you're pressing, yeah. Of course. So I think a little bit of all of it is true. I think that both your theories hold water. Yeah, I don't think that they're like an either-or proposition. I feel like there's definitely room for both ingredients in the concoction. I feel like... And also, I don't think it's a conscious thing if he's mad about the Panarin thing. I think it would be more of a subconscious thing. More of a, like, man, they just, like, basically took away my left arm. And now I'm going to have to kind of figure out how to do this all over again without him and it's just kind of it's a bummer man it's a bummer losing somebody that you've had the greatest successes individually of your career with I mean I know that obviously Kane and Taves it's always a package deal they always talk about those two together kind of the faces of the Blackhawks franchise and of the renaissance this thing has gone through but it, the reality is those guys haven't played together that much you know like they haven't been consistent line mates in a very long time and so I think that with Kane it was nice to finally have that guy that you knew what they were going to do you knew what they were bringing to the party opened up all that space for you and all that everything and Nick Schmaltz is a very I think a good player and a very fun player and exciting player to watch he's obviously not Artemi Panarin though and so I think that as you said, I think it might be kind of an adjustment thing, getting used to you know being with a new guy, maybe putting pressure on yourself and pressing because you're not producing right away. I just thought it was interesting that maybe if it wasn't a physical thing or an effort thing, maybe there was something psychological there. And then that got me thinking about what angle you would take to kind of determine what exactly is going on in somebody's head. And I know that 
obviously there's no way to quantify this. There's no way to really know because you're not going to go into the locker room and ask him, hey, Patrick, you miss Artemi? You miss your buddy? You're not going to do that. And so I know it's speculation, but I just thought it was like a really interesting kind of thought. And I've been kind of chewing on it the last few days. So I'm kind of glad that I was able to finally say it into a microphone and kind of get some feedback on it. Yeah. And and like I said before, all of it feeds into each other. Right. And that self-doubt. I mean, you think about anything in your life. You think about your personality. I told a story um, on the air uh, on Friday on the score. I went to a concert Thursday night. I went to see Lydia Lovelace, who's one of my favorite performers in the world. And uh, I knew it was a small place. I knew there was a chance I could meet her because we have mutual acquaintances and I'm standing at the bar, and she comes walking right up next to me. And for 20 minutes, I couldn't fathom the courage or the confidence to say a word, right? Even like, hey, I really enjoyed your set, or, you know, your music means a lot to me. Thanks. Whatever. I just clammed up. I was in the same circular bar discussion, four people in a circle talking. I was one of them. She was the other. And I did not talk for 20 minutes just because I've had experiences where I've done that, and I've been embarrassed as a kid or as an adult and all these little things kind of add up to make up your subconscious and make up your your spirit and the way you act and those things happen in sports too right so if he's pressing because Panarin's not there and he's frustrated because the power play is not working and maybe he's got a nagging injury and blah, blah 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 all these things add up to the truth when you can't really pinpoint you can't say Jay why did you not talk to her well, how long do you have? Lay down, right? <laughs> it's it's <laughs> yeah. not always as simple as I am. I was that night. I was shy. No, there's a lot more to it than that. And I think oftentimes, I think me and you are good about this. But a lot of people look at these guys as sort of just video game characters. Like, yeah. well, why he should be scoring? He's rated 96, right? It's it's not <laughs> yeah. that simple. It's not always that simple. There's a lot that goes in. There's a lot that makes up a player. And you've seen look players in baseball that suddenly can't throw the first base anymore. Like John Lester, Chuck Knobloch, all those famous people that had that happen. That's all mental. It's not a physical inability to do it. So I know that's like a way bigger picture than what we're talking about here with Patrick Kane. But all these little factors that all sort of hit him at once, they all take their toll and they all do have an effect. So I don't know. Long story short, I think, yes, you're on to it. Yes, you're probably right on all sides. It's a matter of what is more, what is less. The good news is he's playing better now. And he can, he always seems to find a way to just have that FU game where he just is skating past people, embarrassing people, putting up two or three goals. And at the end of the night, he's got four points and and he's back. And I feel like that game for him is very, very close. I I would agree with that. And I think that I I loved your, your comment kind of on how these guys ultimately are human beings, even though they're all these incredibly, you know, finely tuned athletes. There's always that kind of subconscious stuff that goes into it. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that. I know that we, you know, discussed at least a little bit, like kind of touched on the possibility, not necessarily making the accusation about Patrick Kane potentially losing his step and what would happen to him if he does. And I feel like Obviously, that kind of talk is still premature, but I think it gave us a good opportunity to kind of evaluate kind of the changes he maybe would have to make to his game and whether or not he'd be able to kind of make that adjustment. I know we used a baseball analogy already when you brought up John Lester. You bring up a guy like Jake Arrieta who lost a little bit of velocity on his cut fastball this season, and he had to kind of make some adjustments to get that thing going out of the zone so the guys weren't swinging and missing just because of the speed of it they were cutting and missing because of the you know slicing action that that thing has when he throws it I think that it's a good discussion to have about Patrick Kane but ultimately what I came back to is I don't think we're at that point yet with him and so the psychological thing kind of made sense to me and it, it definitely is something I think that we don't talk about often enough in sports like just the kind of fragility of how like when you're in a routine just the ability to kind of stay in it and to kind of have that chemistry with the person that you're working with or skating with whatever analogy you want to use and it was really interesting to be kind of thinking about that and expounding on it and yeah I mean it's definitely something that I felt like didn't get talked about enough and I'm glad that we kind of got to have a you know we have to have a discussion about it and kind of break down a little bit what's going on with him and how good it is really to see him kind of starting to turn a corner and starting to kind of feel it again. 
that is good news for everyone involved. And it's gonna when Patrick Kane is right, there is no one better in the league um, that can take over more offensively than he can. So good news. I'm glad we're starting to see that bounce back. And like I said, I think we're going to see that huge Patrick Kane game uh, coming up here very shortly. All right, let's take another time out. When we come back, I want to discuss uh, Vinny Henestroza who has been making the news over the last couple of days with some highlight reel plays. How is he going to get back to the Blackhawks if he does it all? And then I also have to talk about the league's number one star of the week. Oh, God, yeah, we we kind of do have to talk about it, don't we? Crime in Italy. And then I, I, I want to do a quick thing with you, a Thanksgiving food items uh, draft. We're going to do Yes! That. All right? Yes, yes, yes! All right, all that and, of course, your emails when we come back. But first got to tell you about our friends at Marishka's. They're going to be closed on Thanksgiving, but I know you've got some days off coming up here. Great time to get out to Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street. Go eat at Marishka's. You want a drink? They've got a great bar with craft beer, everything you can imagine. The food there is out of this world incredible. They are famous for the poor boy and so much more. The double baked potatoes, the onion rings, the Icelandic cod, everything at Marishka's is fantastic. Uh, so make sure you go check out our friends out there in Crest Hill. Say hello to Joe and the Zadralovich family. They will take care of you with one of the best meals you've ever had. I say this on every podcast, and I mean it. It's a place that everyone within a 30-mile radius of Crest Hill, which is right by Joliet, should experience. You need to go to Marishka's at least once in your life, but I promise you, you go once, you're going to go back again and again and again. So go to Marishka's, 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill. Check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Marishka's or marishkas.com. That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. Close only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So get there before Thursday or after Thursday. When you do, you will love Marishka's. With that, we'll be right back with some Vinny Henestrosa discussion and some Tavo Teravainen discussion on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. So far today, we've had a lot of fun. We've uh, had our frivolity with the Blackhawks two-game winning streak. We've praised Artem Anisimov. We've psychoanalyzed Patrick Kane. And now we get to go into territory where we're lovelorn, where we're sad, where we're longing for the presence of someone else. And for that, we will start with Vincent Henestrosa, who still finds himself in Rock Vegas, where the best Mexican restaurant is a Taco Bell, and where Chicago seems so far away. Hey, Jay, but first, I miss, in defense I miss of, Henestrosa. In defense of Taco Bell, the rolled chicken taco is back. Outstanding menu item. One of my wife's favorites. Yeah, so they're yes, great. you are absolutely correct on that they, front. They can never take those away from me again. Okay, now that I've said that, um, yeah, he has been appearing on a lot of highlight films uh, you know, sh- scoring insane goals. Our our guy Satchel, uh, how do we say Satchel Page? <laughs> Satchel Price. Satchel Price. Our guy Satchel yeah, Price. Satchel Price. It's Satchel hard. Page is our guy too. <laughs> <laughs> but he t- uh, tweeted out a video, and I retweeted it from the Madhouse account. So if you're listening to this, check it out. Uh, just a sick goal where Henestros is weaving through Chicago Wolves, uh, and just scores a sweet goal. He's going to be the first call-up. I don't know if anyone should get really worried about it or feel like, oh, this guy's getting screwed. He'll be here, and I don't know when it's going to be or who's who it's going to be at the expense of, but it feels like uh, Vinny Henestrosa has broken through and the AHL is no longer a challenge for him, <laughs> if you're judging by some of the highlights. So uh, he'll be here. He'll get his look, and hopefully when he gets up here, he can stick. You know, I always root for Notre Dame guys, and uh, he's a good kid too. So I'd like to see him succeed. And guys like that, young, speedy offensive forwards are what this team's going to need to find if they're going to stay successful as as the core ages. So I'm excited to see him get his look. I'm not going to scream and yell about it because they're doing okay now. Things have been better. So I don't know if you want to mess with anything, but uh, he'll get up here sooner or later. And when he does, I can't wait to see it. I just I just had a realization, a striking revelation, if you will. We've made it about 25 or so minutes into this podcast. We haven't talked about the fact the Blackhawks got awarded the Winter Classic yet. Not even in passing. Like, we didn't just go, oh, they got it again. Yay. That's how low on the friggin' totem pole this stupid game is, apparently, that we haven't even brought it up yet. That's That, to me, speaks volumes. Yeah. And I'm excited because it's at Notre Dame, but okay. Hence why I drew the connection. Another winter classic said, Blackhawks yeah. game that's a regular season game. Whatever. 
Let, let me just how tell you. How say spoiled this. are we? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Oh, let me, let me just say this. Game? <laughs> Boring. Did you see who got awarded a Stadium Series game for 2019? I did not. The Penguins and the Flyers. Are you freaking kidding me? The Predators! The Predators who were just in the Stanley Cup final and just who packed their arena every single night with the loudest group of people that's been assembled at a hockey game in a long time. Where's their outdoor game? They don't care. You had one in freaking L.A. Have one in Nashville. The LP Field would be fantastic for it. This is so maddening to me. Listen, the hockey fan in me wants to see that. As a marketing broadcast person, that's not a sell. People are not going to... It's Nashville! It doesn't matter. You can sell the crap out of that as a tourist destination. And it's a star-studded thing. You're going to get more celebrities at a Nashville outdoor game than you got at that game in L.A. I'm going to go in... The hot taking it right there. It doesn't matter, though. You've got to sell tickets and you've got to get viewers. And I don't think people are going to watch because Carrie Underwood's going to be at the game. Do you really think that people are going to watch the Blackhawks and Bruins? Yes. Dude. I do. Come on. You don't think a Blackhawks-Bruins outdoor game is going to have a bigger rating than Nashville versus whoever, Pittsburgh, name them. Bigger is a relative term considering the fact that I feel like there is an element of fatigue going on right now with the Blackhawks being in so many of these games. And spoiler alert, they might not be very good next year. And there's going to be that part of it, too. I, I just, look, people, the, the point of these outdoor games, especially the Winter Classic, is to draw in fans that don't typically watch hockey. That's the idea. Is it is it working? I don't know. Probably not, because now it's, they've overkilled it. But the spirit of it is to get people to watch that typically don't watch. And the National Predators, no matter how good they are, and I love going to games in Nashville. I love the arena. I love the city. It's one of the few places in the country I'd consider moving. But I don't think it's got the draw that they're lo- at least. All right, let's put it this way. I'm not saying they can't have a successful TV broadcast with Nashville. But you have to put yourself in the brains and please don't hurt yourself doing this. And the brains of Gary Bettman and the like and how, and how they think. And they think. And they're probably right on this one, which I rarely say, but they're probably right that this will not be a large TV. Putting Nashville on an outdoor game would not draw the national audience they're seeking. Okay, okay, okay. Here's here's my counter argument to this. Okay. And hear me out on it. Fine. Don't give them the marquee game. Don't give them the winter classic. That's fine. You're telling me you can't throw Nashville a flippin' bone and give them a stadium series game? Instead, you'd rather have, what is it, Flyers-Penguins part, like, three outdoors? Aren't they playing outdoors this year? Like, I feel like, or was it last year they played at uh, Penn State? Yeah, last year. Okay, sorry. I, I just, I'm like, dude, you, we've been there. We've done that. You're giving them another stadium series game? Come on. Use the stadium series as it should be used, which isn't to draw in, like, as much as I agree with you on the Winter Classic, maybe being a casual fan kind of thing, the stadium series thing is about one thing and one thing only, and that is selling out large buildings and making wads of cash for the teams that host the game. Because Nashville would sell that game out. I guarantee it. If they had a game in Nashville, they would sell it out. It would be bonkers good for the Predators organization. It'd be great for the NHL to try to sell it to hardcore hockey fans. It's, hey, we're finally branching out into new markets. And look at this exciting team that we're putting on the ice in this great city. That's how you need to use the Stadium Series game. I'll give you the Winter Classic. Schedule the big teams. Get your guaranteed TV ratings. Be more adventurous with the Stadium Series. For the love of God. If you're going to drive this concept into the ground... Drive it into the ground doing something truly innovative and interesting instead of just giving me the same teams over and over again. I agree with that. I think you're right on that. And I think that they should. You're right about that. The stadium series should be used or not should be, but they should consider using lesser teams for that. But I wonder without a marquee opponent, right? If Nashville's not playing the Hawks, if they're playing the Sharks or the Stars or whatever, are they going to sell out the Tennessee Titans as a Nissan Stadium? Sorry, it is Nissan. It used to be LP, LP Field. Yeah. Now it is Nissan Stadium. I just can't. I don't know. I, I feel like there is a strong group of hockey fans in Nashville, and they go to every game, and that's it. 
and like and those are the fans. I could be wrong. I don't live there. I don't converse with hockey, not national hockey fans often. But I just have that feel of like there's this diehard crew of twenty thousand, thirty thousand, or whatever, and then that's kind of it. So I wonder. They don't want to embarrass themselves, right? They don't want to have it where they sell this thing, they've got Nashville hosting a game, and then no one comes. And Nashville doesn't want that either. The other part of it is, if it is Nashville versus Dallas or Chicago, or not not Dallas, like Chicago or Boston or Pittsburgh or something like that, the stadium's going to be filled with the other team's fans. And I'm sure Nashville doesn't want that either. Well, have the Penguins fans be there. It's the same color, basically. Yeah, but the cheers, you don't want the cheers to be louder for the road team. And I think that's you're, always... You're probably a... not... I don't think the crowd noise is going to be a big factor in a football stadium. No offense to, you know, the fans that are going to be there, but football stadiums, they they just don't seem to hold the noise as well as, like, a baseball stadium Do you remember when the Bears played can... the Titans a couple years back? They put up 55 points on them and Chicago drank Nashville dry? That's because... That's because Bears fans are insane. Nah. Like I feel, well, I feel like said, they're yeah. the, I feel like they're the exception. That's what I, that's what I would counter that with. Look, I feel like, go ahead. If the Blackhawks are there, you're absolutely right. I just don't know if Penguins fans end up traveling well enough to make that a reality. I feel like there are exceptions to that rule, but I still feel like Nashville, the spectacle of it, the uniqueness of it, being able to go to an outdoor game in a very awesome city. I feel like they draw in a pretty sizable home supporting crowd. I'm all for it. I just can sort of see why the league is hesitant. That's all. I'm not saying don't. I'm not saying they shouldn't. I just think I I hate to understand where the NHL is coming from because I disagree with them so often. But um, I can see their trepidation on this one because they've seen the biggest games in Nashville are typically only half full of Predators fans. Right. So I don't know. I, I see their concern. I think they should just say screw it and go with it. But I do think there is a there is a percentage chance of a massive flop for an outdoor game in Nashville. But at least you're willing to take the chance, though. Like, sure, I just, of course. I feel like Philly, Flyers Penguins. That's Boring. just not going to get the juice. No man. one cares. It, yeah, that that's a great rivalry that no one cares about well, the, outside of, of Pittsburgh and Philly. Right. Those those teams fans care. I see. I wonder if the Hawks, and I'm sure the Hawks have reached a national fatigue level as well. They're not also all, the Hawks are so also aren't as interesting as they used to be when they were just loaded with stars. Now it's a different team. They're not quite as appealing. I think if you were to poll hockey fans, like tell me the Blackhawks bottom four defensemen, like, <laughs> how many would know? Right. It's, I think it's just it's a different team now, but they're going to keep milking that Blackhawks thing until they can't anymore. Um, anyway, one thing the league did get right this week. Our special boy. Tavo Teravainen, the number mm. one star of the week. Everybody, listen. Five goals, right? People listen to this podcast because they like us, right? We're likable guys. We're people enjoy our banter and our personalities and things like that. Please stop yep. copying me every time Tavo does something, because <laughs> <laughs> all it does is make me really, really sad. And um, you know, it's not good for me. It's not a good thing. I, I want Tavo back. I love him. I'll always love him. And uh, all you people, by the way, that were like, this kid's a bust. Kiss my ass. I was right. Ah, um, he had one good week, and now all of a sudden, Jay is right. He not Well, he had a great week, first of all. Uh, it's funny. Players don't... You mean the players don't reach your peak at 22? Hmm. There's room for growth when you turn 23? Hmm. Who knew? Interesting. Hmm. Table Terra Vinen led the NHL with five goals and ten points in four games. Wow, a four-game sample size. I'm sure all the advanced stats geeks are just drooling all over themselves. <laughs> I'm going to kill you. you okay, I, I'm going to be honest. I'm trolling he's got you. 19, you know, he's got a point-per-game player right you, now. You know, I, yeah, one big – how many – is Artem Anissim off a point-per-player – a point per game player yet? Mm, I don't think so. Let me check. Well, he, he has nine in his last nine goals his last ten games. I think he only had one assist, so I think it ended up being a point per game. But Selfish the point player. that I, I, I'm just <laughs> I'm just trying to be a jerk. That's all I try to do. You are succeeding. It's, it's it's really hard sometimes to troll you about somebody that I know you love so so much, but like your high school sweetheart, he's never coming back, Jay. 
He doesn't want you. You never know. Um, all right, listen. Okay, by the way, Anisimov tw- uh, has 12 points in 20 games this year. So, 12 points in 20 games. There, there we go. So, that, that'll tell you. In the first 10 games, he had two points. Woo. So, Tavo has, has 19 points in 19 games. I get it. He's good. We all get it. All right, we're going to do this real quick. All right? Three rounds. Thanksgiving food item draft. Before we start, should we eliminate turkey just because we're probably going to both pick it first? Hell yeah. Turkey is like the undisputed number one. You cannot have Thanksgiving. Well, you know what? I take that back. I'm sure people would argue that you can have tur- You can have Thanksgiving with other meats. Well, those people are idiots. All right. So they don't know how to cook a turkey. That's the point. Let's leave turkey off. Do you want to go Fine, first tur- or do you want the next two? I will take the second two. All right. I get mashed potatoes. I won. It's over. All right. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> it's over for me. Screw, I can eat mashed you, potatoes exclusively for the rest of my life. Yeah? Yeah, just well, mix fine. up the gravy. Fair enough. Well, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take care of dessert, and I'm going to say pumpkin pie. Ooh, so that, strong. Yeah, so you got to take that. And then I'm also going to put another dessert item on lockdown because I feel like there are a sufficient number of sides to grab one with my last pick. So I'm taking cranberry sauce. You can have cranberry sauce. I don't want that. Oh, then no, nope. we're about to fight because cranberry sauce is awesome. I will take stuffing. So I've got mashed potatoes. I've got stuffing. Strong, yeah. Then I'm going to go with. Hmm. Now it gets. This is when it gets tough. Yeah, because I'm really hoping you don't take my pick. Otherwise, my side dish ends up being really bad. Oh, although I will say you won't have dessert right now. Mine is, your, uh, yeah, I could live without up. dessert on Thanksgiving. I fill up. Pumpkin pie, it's gone, so it is what it is. Um, I'm going to go, this is lame, but the way my family makes it, it's amazing. It's just the butteriest stuff in the world. I'm going to go with corn. Huh, that's interesting. I can I can, I can, can appreciate a well-made corn dish. It's like, almost like, I really can. It's almost like a cream soup. It's so buttery. It's amazing. Yeah. By the way, my friend Alex, we're having Friendsgiving tonight at my apartment. He's bringing over his sweet potato casserole. Oh, oh my God. Mm. It's so good. Thanks dude. for the invite. Yeah, you didn't invite me to Lydia Loveless, so we're even. Name me one Lydia Loveless song. I pick with my third pick. <laughs> <laughs> Name one of my friends besides my wife. Tony. No. Kevin. Um. Nope. Jay. <laughs> Yes. Okay, fine. You, Thank you. you named, <laughs> it took you three tries. Anyway, I can Google Lydia Loveless songs too. Uh, <laughs> but I can't Google well, no one, I can't Google James Navo friends. Your Google your Google you search imbe- returns zero Facebook, results. Facebook, you imbecile. Oh my god, I hate you so much. I you know what? I'm gonna ask Rambling Grimace if he's listening to this podcast today, if you could just go ahead and repost the J as meat steam. Uh, picture that you made that would make my night really good so if you could do that that'd be awesome uh third pick i'm going to go with green bean casserole because like your family my family really knows how to make it and they make it extremely well so that's what i will take all right so i get mashed potatoes stuffing and corn you get pumpkin pie cranberry cranberry sauce sauce. and green bean casserole i believe you won the draft i think we have a clear winner here i still i'm still very satisfied like, I still, all three of those things are things that I love. I didn't have to make any, like, oh, I don't like this, but I'm going to pick it anyway. So, yeah, you, you win, but I'm still satisfied with my team. Pumpkin pie is a strong pick. I can't, I mean, and I yeah. probably would not have taken it that early. I would have slept on it a little bit. So, good move by you getting it early. Good good strategy. Well, the, I liked it. It's a three-round It's a three round draft, and you have two picks right away. You can't really afford to sleep on anything. That's true. That's true. Well, I like that draft. That was fun. All right, you ready to do some emails? I am indeed. Let's do it. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email segment, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Check out chuckscafe.com for locations and specials and menus and all the good stuff that Chuck's offers. Check out their Thanksgiving uh, event. They've got like a Thanksgiving buffet. It's insane. Uh, check that out if you don't have Thanksgiving plans. If you live alone, if you're a loner, you're a hermit, you live in the woods in some kind of barn and you want some turkey, go to Chuck's. They'll take care of you. 
But if you can't go on Thanksgiving, you're good to go the rest of the year. Everything at Chuck's is outstanding. I say my mom has the like least evolved palate of any human being on earth. She's happy there. I love spice. I love flavor. I love creativity. I love different twists on classic dishes. I'm happy at Chuck's too. There is literally something for everyone. So bring a big group of people, get drunk on their huge bar full of great craft beers, and everyone will leave happy and and full and satisfied with Chuck's. They're absolutely outstanding. Cajun, Mexican, barbecue, classic American bar food, whatever you're looking for, Chuck's has it. Chuck was the sous chef for Rick Bayless. I don't know if I've mentioned that before. So I can give you a little bit of the influence that Chuck's cooking with. Absolutely outstanding stuff. So go check out chuckscafe.com, find their locations in Burbank and in Darien, and you will have a great meal, chuckscafe.com. All right, first email comes from Guy Eustachy. Hello, Guy, that, or, or Guy. God, that almost sounds like a fake name, but I kind of love it. I think it's Guy. Let's just call him Guy because it's a hockey podcast. Guy Lefleur. That was good. I like that. He says, uh, in the last podcast, it was mentioned that you guys had no problem with John Hayden getting sent down and bringing Henestrosa up. I disagree. Have you guys watched Hayden play lately? The Hawks don't have any really physical guys on the roster, and he is constantly taking it uh, to everyone he faces. I feel like we need to s- him to stay up with the Hawks to provide that presence. Just a thought. I do not want an opinion from you guys, though. <laughs> oh, well, you're going to get one anyway. Yeah. It's not your show. What do you Gee? think was better to watch in the Rangers game? Hayden scoring while falling down or witnessing to bring it scoring on Lundqvist for the first time in his career to tie it up? Uh, are we not allowed to answer that? Yeah, now I'm trying to figure out what he meant. But you know what? Screw him. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to provide an opinion anyway. Do it. I see what he's saying. Like, John Hayden has looked good. This is not an indication by either of us that John Hayden stinks at, ho- stinks at hockey. He doesn't. It's simply a simplicity thing of not having to worry about losing a guy to waivers. And he's really the only guy that you're going to send down that makes sense in that regard. So this wasn't a indication of Hayden's performance. It was simply a matter of not wanting to lose a guy through waivers. If we were the Blackhawks, like, we're... We're not knocking John Hayden. We like John Hayden. So, Gee, even though you told me not to provide an opinion, I wanted to let you know that I agreed with you on your on your thought that he's good, but explain why we were thinking of sending him down. So, we've done that. Yes, thank you. Uh, now, now, the other thing oh, yeah, right. is Hayden falling down was hilarious, so we have to go with that. Of course. That was great. <laughs> All right, uh, email here from Gingenberger. Ah, Gingenberger. You know what? It's the Thanksgiving season, so I'm not going to call him a useless idiot today. I am. He says, I haven't been able to watch the last couple (laughs) Hawks games, which makes me the worst fan ever, yes. So I'll ask a non-hockey-related question. What is your favorite Thanksgiving tradition? Ooh. Oh. Uh, Mine's eating. Next Ah, question. That's pretty solid. Um... Not, we don't really do anything like spectacularly crazy for Thanksgiving. Like we don't have feats of strength or anything like that. So, yeah, I gotta go with Jay, man. Eating's really good. Close second, watching football. We do have a man. family football game every year, which is a lot of fun. I'm sure it's a testament to the unathleticness of white people. So, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm sticking with eating. All right, email here from Brett in Miami. He says it's apparent that since 2015 and prior that Brent Seabrook's skills have diminished significantly. The metrics show it, as do the eyes. It seems he's turned the puck over a lot in the D zone this year on pace for almost 100 and has been out of position on many goals. To me, he is Michael Roosevelt now. Oh, God. Why does Q insist at playing him over a Connor Murphy or a younger defenseman? I can see maybe in the playoffs, but when this team is struggling with puck possession, having old and slow Seabrook on the ice certainly doesn't seem to give the Hawks an advantage night to night. Well, Ooh, I can't dang. say he's that bad yet. <laughs> Brett giving the fire tonight. He's definitely regressed. We talk about this. It's one of our most common topics, so I'm not going to get back into it crazy. Uh, Brent Seabrook is still probably a little bit better than your eyes are telling you. Um, he's strong positionally. He can still move the puck. He's still physical. Yeah, he gets beat head on. Yes, he turns. He's always turned the puck over. Before, he just used to have the speed to make up for it, though. Um, I, I think he's... Right now, he's probably a number four uh, defenseman, maybe a poor number three, 
but they're not going to bench him. There's no way Joel Quenville is going to bench him as long as he's doing at least something halfway competent out there. So I think that's a bit of a pipe dream. You just hope that, I don't know, they could put him in the right sort of matchups to um, maximize his output. But, uh, yeah, the decline is happening, and it's very clear. But uh, to hope he's going to get benched, I, I think that's a pipe dream. I, I agree with everything you said, and I definitely think that the comparison to Roosevelt is a little bit extreme. I think there's just it's I think kind of borderline mean to compare Brent Seabrook to Michael Roosevelt at this point. That is, uh, yeah, if I was Roosevelt, I'd be pissed oof. about that. <laughs> ah, zing! I just I keep chewing on something else, Jay. Do you, if I offered you pumpkin pie for stuffing, would you make that trade? No. Oh man. Sorry, man. No it's deal. Not, you see, you're you refuse to trade a third round pick for a first round pick. This is why you're not a GM of a team. But I'm valuing my third round pick as a first. You shouldn't, because that's a dumb valuation of stuffing. It is not a first round food. Incorrect. Next email here from Jen Lesniak. Jen says, first time writing, but I've been listening for a while and absolutely love your podcast. Thank you. Honestly, think yours is the best one for the Blackhawks. Oh, thanks. Also, Hell yeah. Jay is very handsome. No, she didn't say that. Um, no. She says, something I've been mulling over lately. How can the penalty kill be so darn good, but the defense so darn bad? Yes, Aha! the tide has turned a little as of late. And yes, the situations are very different, but it just stuck out to me as something weird. I'm newer to hockey, so I don't understand all the nuances. Want to get your thoughts as to why that would be the case. Uh, off the top of my head, I think just penalty killing in general requires less motion you're sort of in a box you're the other team's passing it around and it's more about getting in lanes and breaking through you know breaking up uh shots and passes and things like that whereas five on five there's more of a back and forth flow so i think that's why you can see like a guy like brent seabrook can still be a really effective penalty killer despite losing a couple steps of his speed and things like that so i think it's just like you said uh jen a different style of play when you're shorthanded versus when you're at full strength. To her point, I think that you're on the right track when you say there's less skating involved, and I would specifically point to the forwards that are involved in this because they don't have to worry about trying to break the puck out and doing all the stuff that forwards do when you're on the penalty kill. All they have to worry about is, like you said, jumping into passing lanes and being aggressive at the blue line to chip the puck out and doing all that stuff. That takes a lot – if you're able to just concentrate on that, I feel like you can definitely be really effective at it. And it's a lot easier to do just that than to add the jumping into the offense and yada yada portion of the equation. And then I think the other thing that you have to keep in mind, it's really simple. If you get the puck, fling it away. Like, you can't do that if you're just defending. You have to actually be somewhat responsible with it because you don't want to ice it. But on the penalty kill – you get it, you rip it. Like, you just go, whoosh, throw it right out of the zone. And I feel like that maybe adds an element of simplicity to it as well. Good answer, James. Good job. That's why your podcast is so good. Yeah. Next email from Bryant Aquinsky. I think I said that right. He That's says, a made-up name. <laughs> he says, hey, guys, I watched the last few national broadcasts of the Hawks, and they always seem to mention the significant change on D compared to last year. Aren't the Hawks better off now than the playoffs last year murphy Whoa. has been okay but better than bad hurt jalmerson in arizona it's a different thought ruda has been better has more upside than tvr forsling looks like a legit top four recently seabrook has been playing better has been better playing under 20 minutes versus over recently franzen in top pair has been solid on the power play og and campbell contributed little last playoffs let me know your thoughts thanks I I see what you're saying, and I kind of, I sort of agree. I think the way the Hawks are, the Hawks D is now, might be a little better than they were. And the question was, in the playoffs last year. So you've got a worn down and hurt Johnny Oduya. You've got a worn down Nicholas Jalmerson. You've got a uh, injured Seabrook, right? Wasn't he banged up at the end of last year, if I'm not mistaken? More than likely, yeah. You had I, mean, I don't Keith, think it was ever said for sure. You had Keith uh, playing the whole season after a surgery. So I think maybe now, like, would I rather have last year's Johnny Oduya or this year's Connor Murphy or Jan Ruda? I think that answer is pretty clear. 
So I think that specific question, is this D better than the playoff D last year? Yes, but I think if you're looking at all those guys 100%, there's no comparison. Yeah, you see, I just don't I don't like the structure of the question because I feel like, yeah, you're going to like this year's team better, but are you going to feel that way when game 83 rolls around and we're going into the playoffs? You're telling me you would rather have Connor Murphy than Nicholas Chalmerson. No. Like, I... I just think once you've gone through the grind of an 82-game season, I just I don't feel like you answer that question the same way. And I feel like it would be... I think the more pertinent question is, do I feel like the Blackhawks will have a better defense in Game 83 this year than they did in Game 83 last year? And my answer to that is, I don't think so. But, but... Jan Ruda and Gustav Forsling have showed some very good upside, and I like the possibility of them potentially stepping up their game and evolving as the season goes on and potentially being solid, not great, but solid options in you know mid to late April. So I think that obviously right now you go with the team as currently constructed, but I feel like when we get to playoff time, it it's a toss-up, and if you know, those guys don't necessarily evolve the way that we think they will, or if they really wear down on the first, like, real 82-game grind that they've had to play, then you may end up saying that last year's defense was better. Yeah, that's fair. And, and I, let's we got to keep in mind, too, that Nicholas Jalmerson doesn't suddenly suck. Or he didn't just forget how to play. He's on a real bad team. A real bad team. God, Arizona is putrid. Yeah. That, so bad. That's a big part of it. And he's also being asked to be their number two as opposed to their number three or four like he was last year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, email here from our guy, Kevin Peak. Uh, has a point. He says, I appreciate all Patrick Sharp has done for this organization, but he needs to sit more. He just hasn't seemed right all year. You have you have Caro who could jump in and probably do, do the job as well and has found healthy scratch hell this season. I agree with that. Patrick Sharp probably needs a couple games on the bench uh and then he says why carry eight defenders if osterley and kempney are going to find aren't only going to find the ice once every five or six games either take the chances of sending osterley down or do something with kempney feel bad for kempney he seems to have a lot of upside but it's just in the wrong place at the wrong time uh james mentioned the osterley thing last week and i i kind of agree I, I don't think he's going to get claimed on waivers. I really don't. I don't. I really don't. And you're barely playing the guy. And I like him. I think that he has some offensive upside. Uh, the Hawks really like him, which could explain why they're, um, you know, that's probably why they're hesitant to waive him. They probably like him better than most teams. Um, but you got to do something here. Those two guys are not playing. Neither of them are going to improve by not playing. They need to play. So yeah. pick one and send one down and figure it out. Unless you're willing to sit Brent Seabrook as a healthy scratch occasionally, there is no reason in the world to be carrying eight defensemen right now. You don't need it. What you need is for Patrick Sharp to be an occasional healthy scratch and for a guy that I like to call Vincent Henestroza to come up and get a freaking look in this lineup, man. Ugh. Totally agree with you, man. That I totally agree. All right, that's all the emails we have for today. Uh, A lot of the other ones we got, we addressed earlier on the podcast, so we don't want to just rehash them. So thank you, everybody, for your email. But, James, have you chosen a winner for today? We we had some, I thought, like, really good thought-provoking kind of questions today. Even the ones that we, like, were kind of like, nah, I don't really know if I agree with the point of it. They at least definitely made us think. But I got to give it to Jen, man. Jen uh, may not have called you handsome, Jay. But really, like, I have never really heard that question asked that way before on why a team could be way better at penalty killing than on defense. And that, I always appreciate that kind of, like, mental challenge where you're like, wait, why? Why is that the case? And, like, talking it out and everything, like, feel like we answered it pretty well, and I appreciate Jen asking it, so she wins. All right, I'm reaching through my box, looking for a card here. Ooh, pro set Brian Leach. <laughs> with the flowing feathered hair on the back very nice very, very nice, nice. All is right. he ever the captain of the rangers by the way um, good question we'll answer that one on next week's episode Jen thank yeah. you for your email you are going to Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe for breakfast you're also winning the aforementioned Brian Leach Pro Set Hockey Card from the 90s at some point 
Uh, we appreciate you and your email and everybody that emailed and everybody that listens to us every week. Again, stay tuned. Next week, we will have a major announcement about a show outing. We are going to a Chicago Wolves game. We're going to have a series of seats available for sale so we can all sit together, all watch the game together. There's going to be some other things tied into it as well. We will have all the details for you next week on the podcast, so make sure you check that out. Make sure you tell your friends. We're looking forward to seeing you guys out at the Allstate Arena for that event. So keep your eyes tuned. Keep your eyes on the Twitter account at MadhousePod on the Facebook. We'll start promoting it as soon as we finalize it, even if it's before we do another podcast. So make sure to keep your eye on all our social media accounts. But until then, thank you for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, which has been brought to you by Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com, Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Mariska's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. And SeatGiant.com. If you're looking for tickets to a game, to a concert, to whatever, check out SeatGiant. If you find what you want, use the promo code MADHOUSE at checkout to save. It helps you. It helps us. It helps everybody, and it makes the world a better place. So check out SeatGiant.com. And until then, we'll talk to you next week on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is getting up to use the bathroom at the stadium. Excuse me? Excuse me? Oh, sorry. Excuse me? You mind if I just squeeze by here? This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Geico knows there are many reasons why you ride. From the exciting adventure of the daily commute to the peace of mind that Geico always has your back with 24-7 access to claim service and legendary customer service. But Pamela Mund had one reason in particular. My skin is extremely averse to most fabrics, except for the soft, buttery feeling of leather. Thankfully, I found my clan of leather lovers in the biking community. It's been life-changing. Geico Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.